you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Around the NFL podcast, would rather be drinking at the cozy. Yeah, welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast, presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room that's filled with heroes: Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Drinking at the cozy. It's been a minute. Might have to rectify that. The best thing about the cozy is when the holidays come. And Mark, you know this very well. When the holidays come, they really go all out with the the decorations and put the lights all over the. It's a pretty cool like Southern California in the holidays vibe. Don't I think they keep it up for my dog Mark with a C months and months after, and they repainted the outside. But I think it's been a while since any of us have been inside. Mm, Got to rectify that. Uh, welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We have. So much to get to. We're going to finish out week nine with our Monday Night Football recap. Uh, NFC East battle between the Cowboys and Giants. Uh, Also, we're going to preview the first game of week 10. A nice AFC West battle at the Black Hole. Uh, That should be a fun game to watch, potentially. Uh, We got a nice seg. I like good segs. Greg wrote a banger in his most recent debrief Mm -hmm. column. Uh, what great what, intro what we've loved about the 2019 season so far it's like that time of year you know it's mid-season it's kind of is it the dog days you got six teams off this week this is yeah. the dog this is where you got to grind through and what carries you through is the love you know <laughs> that's what gives like you the that. energy it keeps I you going like to work that. otherwise then you're just a miserable sad sack uh, maybe, I can attest to that <laughs> uh, maybe if we have some time we'll dig into uh, an issue behind the scenes with Erica who is not happy with the old Zeuser in regards to today's seg. Yeah, it wasn't behind the scenes 10 minutes ago, but no. for the listener, it's Off mic, off mic. Yeah. Uh, but before we do any of that, uh, oh yeah, and we're going to do some news, and that's good because there's some big news to talk about. But let's start uh, at the Meadowlands. Prescott in the gun, trips to the left, snap back, four-man rush, time to throw it over the middle line, over to the 25-yard line. Amari Cooper to the 10, to the 5, to the pylon, touchdown. Tremendous protection for Prescott. 45 to Cooper on third down. Brad Sham, the Sham God, with the call KLRD. Oh, man. Do you think anybody was dreading the film room more than uh, Giants rookie cornerback DeAndre Baker, who, uh, you know, Everyone playing zone on the biggest uh, man on the biggest play of the game. DeAndre thinks they're playing zone, and Amari Cooper walks into the end zone, 45 mm. yards with the clinching score. Yes, the Cowboys win, 37 to 18, uh, over the Giants at the Meadowlands, and a game where West the Cowboys certainly didn't bring their A game. This is a one point game uh, entering the fourth quarter. Uh, so this was not the blowout it appeared uh, on the final score. However, they did what they had to do, which was pull away from an inferior opponent, and they 
move on. Yeah, that looked familiar, the opening portion of that game with the the interception on the first pass, and then you had Randall Cobb's touchdown nullified, Cobb's fumble in scoring territory, and Dak Prescott, I thought, put it pretty well after the game. You guys saw the game. They weren't beating us. It was us getting in our own damn way. Mm. And when we're rolling and do what we do, there's, there isn't a team in the league that can stop us. And I think that describes the Cowboys perfectly. When they lost to the Saints, when they lost to the Packers, when they lost to the Jets, they were getting in their own way. And they have to prove that they're not going to do that against a good team. They have beaten a string of tomato cans. The one question left about this team, can they get out of their own damn way against the cream of the NFC crop? They survived the game where Dak Prescott, I thought, played his worst game of the year for about three quarters. And maybe that happens when you, you're coming out of a bye and you throw an interception on your th- first pass of the game that you just aren't feeling comfortable. You're not seeing the field. Most of their big plays were just wide open, and then he, he gets it together. I'm not worried about him because I think he's played really well this year. If I'm a Cowboys fan, my big takeaway is just this defensive line, which I think was a weakness early in the year, is now a huge asset. Demarcus Lawrence is playing with his hair on fire again after he was really coming slowly off that shoulder surgery to start the year. Robert Quinn has a lot of speed. Michael Bennett uh, is going to be a big-time pickup for them. And Malik Collins has been pretty good for them all year. Suddenly, that's a huge strength, and that was kind of my big takeaway from from this game. There were some images that I loved from this game that made me feel reminiscent for decades of old. And it was weird uh, uniform tweet quirks like Michael Bennett's shoulder pads, which, you know, he's worn it that way before, but he look you know, he looks like he's basically just wearing a padded t-shirt underneath his jersey. But the old school Giants uniforms, which I would lobby them hard just to bring back full time. Because with Giants and Jets uniforms in general, it seems like you go about twenty years with the incarnation and then you go back to what it was previously. They looked awesome. And, and it's not just the helmet. People were on fire about bringing back the Giants in block lettering with the underline, which is the classic 80s iteration. Uh, and they've had the NY for a bunch of years now. But it's not just that. It's the font on the oh, yeah. number and especially the lettering on the back of the jersey. And if you grew up in the Northeast like we did, you connect that to LT and Bavaro. And, and, and LT was there, and I think that helped. You know, Monday night takes on a different tone than 10 a.m. West Coast on some stadium you know, somewhere else. That's it's, what they're trying to sell. It's a whole different deal. Are LT you was the in the house. You're giving that telecast a, a compliment? I'm just saying that the, the the vibe in the stadium, because the game was tight until the beautiful it. black cat came rolling out and literally changed the game. It kind of reminded me a little bit of when the lights went out during the Ravens Niners Super Bowl, where there was even Amari Cooper who said afterwards that he went out with a banged up knee, that the whole pause in the action going into then into halftime gave him a chance to rest up and he played an awesome second half. Hmm. Do we want to hear Kevin Harlan, who... One of the greatest calls in NFL history was the drunk that ran onto the field Monday Night Football a year or two ago. So in this situation, what I want listeners to be plugged into, because it is not hard, it is not easy to do the job in general of a play-by-play man uh, for professional football, but what he's able to do here, and you'll see, is not only call the play, which is a completion, I believe, to Evan Ingram of the Giants, but also simultaneously call the Cats' initial, uh, (laughs) you know, getting upon the scene and then what happens afterwards. Let's listen to Harlan. Oh, there's a cat. A black cat has taken the field. A black cat is running from the 20 to the near side, the 10. From the 39 in Dallas, here's a short throw down the middle caught by Ingram. Caught at the 35, went to the 30. Now the That's cat hard. the other way, and so is Ingram at the 30 to the 25. The cat's the going the other way. Of the Dallas Cowboys, it's a catch run of 15. Now the what a cat flex. has stopped at the 50. So is it bad luck for the Giants? Is it bad luck for the Cowboys? I don't know, but they've stopped playing. The players with hands on hips are watching the cat run and zigzag all over the field. Now a policeman, a state trooper has come on the field, and the cat runs into the end zone. That is a touchdown. (laughs) I love it. And the cat is elusive. Kevin Harlan. Kind of like Blackley and I mean, my favorite part we didn't even have in there where he – Use it, does a sponsor read that the cats entered the CDRW <laughs> red zone? Seamless. <laughs> this is amazing. Harlan, that, he is the best in the business of Westwood One Radio. So 
Uh, yeah, that was the turning point in the game in a weird way, not because of the cat, or maybe because of the cat, but uh, the Cowboys kind of started to take control. You don't think black cats have power? I think they do. I think that everybody about a flex. on the telecast and ever- was upset that it didn't happen before ha- Halloween, which would have made it an instant sports classic. I think, I think it be, still will be one of the remembered. indelible images of 2019. I think my kids will remember it forever. It was like, it was bedlam. It was as if... They were told they were just given a week off from school to hang out at Disneyland. There was just screaming and laughing. The boys I, loved it too. I couldn't yep. hear anything for about two minutes straight. They they were they were in love. <laughs> hey Wes, how about a turn back the clock performance? Leighton Vanderesh out with a neck injury. In steps Sean Lee, and he leads the game with 12 tackles, including a, a stuffer, a loss. Saquon Barkley couldn't get away from him. How about that? Sean Lee still doing the thing. Yeah, I think that answered a question I had. I figured he could still stop the run, but he was out there playing really well in pass coverage on wide receivers and tight ends, and you don't see that from 32 or 33-year-old mm. linebackers. That Dexter Lawrence play to me was at the goal line where I had, I'm watching on condensed, and they don't show replays. So I had to rewind that four times to figure out how the guy on the left side of the defensive line is stuffing the guy two yards behind the line of scrimmage on the right side of the line. I, I think Zeke uh, looking better the last couple of games is, oh, yeah. is pretty huge for Dallas. Took him a little while to get going, kind of like Melvin Gordon after the holdout. Makes uh, makes some sense. I think the Giants have to be a little concerned that Daniel Jones leads the NFL in turnovers by a decent margin now. He's fumbled a lot. He's thrown a lot of interceptions. Like that. I'm not saying I'm overly concerned, but he's he's got to cut that out a little bit. He's a rookie. I get it. This happens. Can we get an update on Dave Gettleman's victory lap? <laughs> right. I'm just saying it, it's funny how if that first game hadn't happened the way that it did, I, I think he's having a totally normal rookie season, and he did make a couple throws in that game uh, that were really impressive that make you think, okay, yeah. that's why you love Daniel Jones. He doesn't look like a bust or anything. I knew I was trying. I was forgetting something. This was the most lily-livered uh, coached game I've ever seen out of, of, of Pat Shermer and Jason Garrett, for that matter. These Especially guys, at the end for These Shermer. guys have never met a fourth and three inside the 10-yard line that they can't kick a field goal. They had four field goals under 30 yards. Go for a touchdown at some point. Understand what type of game you're in and what type of defense that you have. You're not going to hold the, the Cowboys under 20 points. That's fair, though. They'll go after field goal. They tried very very, very hard to make Jason Witten the ultra centerpiece last night. I just he had a pretty that, nice game. He had a good game. He had a pretty just, good season. I, I, I'm not saying he's not having a good season. Mark, he I, was I just, really good yesterday. He <laughs> is slow as you can be. Well, he doesn't have foot speed. Um, Wes, this yes. answers or will give us a lot of insight into two teams on Sunday night when the Cowboys welcome the Vikings. Ooh. Love it. Al, Chris, and Michelle. With so Vikings on the road against a good team versus Cowboys having to not shoot themselves in the foot against a good team. Against a non-tomato mm. Someone's going to shatter hey, some the last time they were on Sunday Night Football, they beat the Eagles 37-10. to You know what I want to say? How will Kirk Cousins play? <laughs> I really do. Every week. I get more and more excited to see Kirk you are, Cousins. You are not alone in that. <laughs> All right. That's what's happening with Monday Night Football. Let's now hit the news. Did you just say go find Dr. Feelgood? <laughs> so Mark Sessler and I were upstairs on Sunday getting ready for our Sky Sports hit with the great Neil Reynolds. And um, we happened to have the audio on. And who is that voice? Is that Dick Stockton? That's Thom Brennan. That's, That's Thom. Thom. Uh, foolish of me. Thom, I like to call him. And uh, Ricky, do we have a little longer clip of that interaction between Thom and was it Spielman? Yes, Chris Spielman. I'll tell you, in this league, here's my rule. Upper body, go see Dr. Feelgood and let her go. Did you just say go find Dr. Feelgood? Is that what you just said? Did I say that out loud? And then he asked another time, and maybe even a third time. Thom couldn't get over himself with it. Yeah, it was. Uh, he hit it hard as if it was a bit that was, you know, registering with everyone on a 10-decibel level, and I don't know that it was. Thom's move, he's going to use lower. Yeah, it was lower body, see a real doctor, basically. Upper body, see Dr. Dr. Feelgood. Who knew? I kind of appreciate if you go T H O M, that is the correct shortening of Thomas. T O M is a little pretentious, though. No doubt about that. And I don't know if you want to go through life with Thom. You're, you've probably been getting that since I you know first like or second. No grade. one's called. He's going through life with Thom very well. He's yeah, he's <laughs> fine. I've I've enjoyed that crew. I feel like is leaning into who they are like a wrestling tag team. You know what I mean? It's like I, a good cop, bad cop type. I don't know what it. it is. It's just it's a it's. 
the the game is their theater. You know, the world's a stage. Are we allowed? I'd argue that bit did not hit, though. I've been trying to tell you this about Thom for years. This is what he does. He's playing a character. We might have to talk to a shadowy league figure. I think one of the best off-season shows we could do is the power rankings of the of the announcing teams. Would we be able to do that? No way. Then we will do it. <laughs> I've got pages of notes on it. <laughs> all right, let's get to the news. Cam Newton looks like he's done for the year in all likelihood. Um, he has been placed on IR. The Panthers announced it with a foot injury, uh, an injury that, First popped up in the preseason during his, I think, only series he played in the preseason. He he uh, suffered a foot sprain, and then we learned uh, after he played a little bit poorly in the regular season, went back on the shelf after week two, uh, that it was the dreaded Liz Frank uh, mm-hmm. injury. And then there was an ominous report last week that he was not getting any better, and Kyle Allen would continue to start. Well, this is the logical conclusion to it all, Mark. Cam Newton heads to IR. Most likely done for the season, although there is a way, apparently, to that he could come back in some capacity. I, I heard that earlier today. I don't know if that has shifted since then. Uh, but uh, Cam Newton, his season is over, and quite possibly his Panthers career is over. I, I, yeah, I don't think he's – I don't think we're going to see him again this year. Uh, and, it, you know, he's been through a lot over the past year plus. Uh, this is a guy that did not miss – more than three games over his first 126 eligible outings and was the picture of durability taking endless punishment. And it's caught up with him. Two shoulder surgeries. We got the thing going on this year. And the Panthers can part ways with nothing more than about $2 million in dead cap space if they ever wanted to move on. I don't think you do unless you have a much better option that the entire organization is into. But I would imagine that there would be a couple other teams out there that could look at Cam Newton as a major spice-up factor. Can you imagine Cam Newton on the Bears or on the Bengals or even if the Dolphins decided we're not going to get that guy in Broncos. the draft? Which Broncos. version, though? Yeah, it's hard to imagine him because right. who is Which it? version is fair, because but if he's the, checked out healthy the foot injury, now, The foot injury ruined his season, but the shoulder, which has been operated on twice in the past two years... That was the major problem early in the season. Yes, he couldn't move either because of the foot thing, but the throws is what had everyone freaking out before he went on the shelf. He's never been a top-shelf passer. I mean, maybe that half a season during his MVP year, but he's been a dual-purpose quarterback, and we thought he might be the exception to the durability concerns of running quarterbacks because he's so big and so tough, and like Mark said, only missed, what, three games over the early portion of his career, but you just look through the history of running quarterbacks and this is when they decline. But that's true, and you do wonder about that as he's you know, turning 31 next year. But I would say he was a top-shelf quarterback throwing the ball in North Turner's offense for half a season, for, for more well, than which half was, a Which was a totally different offense where he wasn't going downfield anymore and he was just settling for short but passes. But making, making good decisions, making good throws, using his legs still enough. He's you know the greatest red zone weapon of the decade. Uh, it's not even a question in terms of the numbers. Was. Was. Of the, we don't of the know. Previous we, we don't know. A lot of that was because of his legs. But won't someone take? Wouldn't someone Absolutely. be willing to take a shot on that? Absolutely, the, Panthers? the the arm is is a different thing. The foot does it does concern you. I just don't think the the Panthers would be interested in getting rid of him unless they were getting a ton in return because his salary is so low. I mean, he, he's making eighteen point six million dollars for a quarterback right now. That's actually a huge bargain. I think even if he was put on the free agent, if he was put on. In, in free agency, which isn't going to happen because they could trade him or he'll be back with the team. There'd be plenty of teams who would line up to still pay him a lot of money just for the chance that he's the old uh, Cam Newton because that would be such an upgrade. But I have a hard time even guessing who's the coach going to be next year, who's the GM going to be next year. You don't know in Carolina, and, and without knowing that, how can you guess who's the quarterback? And I'm not saying he can't change his style. Like you said, he already did last year. This transition started three or four years ago with the Panthers saying we can't continue to run him as a zone read quarterback. We've got to use the Big Ben model and make him a quicker decision quarterback making quick passes. And like Greg said, he, he started that last year. I just don't know, will that body hold up if he continues to play the dual purpose style? I wonder if he came into the league just a little too early. I th- feel like teams are with Lamar and Kyler Murray are starting to meet the quarterbacks a little more creatively. Those guys are elusive though. 
Sure. Cam's there, a run over guy. Sure. Yeah. And early in his career, he certainly could make people. I just mean like design a really make an offense around his his dual threat ability. You would like to see a team commit to that, but maybe maybe he's too Didn't old. I thought Rob Chijinsky. Right, they did. And Chuck, they wanted Chuck an MVP. Did try that. Yeah. He won an MVP. Moving on, Doug Marone has made his decision. Nick Foles will regain his starting job with the Jaguars, sending Gardner Minshew uh, to the bench after eight weeks of very solid play. But at the end of the day, uh, Marone said he, he thought about it hard. It was his decision, and he wants to bring Foles back into the mix as the Jaguars look to make a playoff push in the second half. Here uh, is some more of what Doug had to say. He's done a great job. Uh, Minshew. You know, I feel a whole lot different about him now than I did prior to him playing in a, in a very positive way. Uh, we took some things and had some discussions on things that um, we're going to work on going forward, which uh, will give him the ability to be a player in this league for a long time. I really believe that. I was thinking about this. It's kind of a good spot right now if you're a Jaguars fan, and I know you might be frustrated because you spent $60 on the Minshew jersey and you have the mustache and you bought into the mania and you're excited about him as a prospect going forward. Uh, but there are two ways this plays out. One, well, there's three ways. One way is Foles is okay and then they um, have a decision to make in the offseason. But the, other, the two other options are Foles really plays well, and we ne- we have no idea if he will or not because he was injured almost immediately this season. Foles plays really well. The Jaguars make a push in the second half, and then they have a decision to make. Or Foles is very meh, and they're like, okay, there's no need to panic because we have a young quarterback in Minshew who we can turn to and feel confident going forward that he's our guy. So you just kind of let it all play out. You also need two quarterbacks in the NFL now, and – you can keep him and have Minshew for low-cost depth, or you can trade him and have Minshew with no depth at all behind him. It's another team that you don't know what the future is going to be. So to me, this move is about the present first and foremost. They want to get to the playoffs to keep their jobs. Doug Marone, Tom Coughlin, everyone there. And I'm excited to see Foles in this offense. I didn't expect DJ Chark and Chris Conley to be as explosive as they are. Uh I think Minshew was a big part in that in bringing the best out of those guys. But and maybe this touchdown throw that Foles made even played a factor. I mean, he played two series, and one of them included one of the prettiest passes any quarterback's thrown all year, and that's the pass that Foles got hurt on. And so I kind of want to see it because Foles, good Foles is fun. Like if you just started Foles' career in the last three years, you would think this guy's got a lot of potential. He's not over the hill. And I, I just, I kind of want to see it. I, I mean, I think this is Nick Foles' time of year too, where you know, we, who knows where we would be with Nick Foles had he started the last eight plus games. But Marone said it. He looked at the overall body of work in Nick Foles. And of course you want to, you invested a ton of money into this. And I think it starts right there. It starts right there because if you want to just look at the, let's say that Minshew was drafted in the first round and was playing this way. He doesn't get benched for anyone in the league. Like you just keep it going. But the situation lends itself to this. And so I'm with you in the sense that you can't get out of this year without seeing what you have in Nick Foles. I do think it's strange if we go two more seasons and Minshew is sitting on the bench and we never see him again, I just don't think that's tenable. He's, there's too much to work with and develop, and someone's going to come calling for him at some point. There's also something to be said for leaving the last taste in everyone's mouth, Nick Foles' Philadelphia success, and then try to flip that in the offseason. Because Minshew's mobility worked really, really well behind this offensive line. I, I, I wonder how Foles will work I, behind this offensive line. It makes sense. You always want to have a backup quarterback who can play and keep your season alive if uh, disaster strikes. But, yeah, he signed a four-year, $88 million deal, $22 million a year. He still has value on the market. I would think if they do make that decision, they would not keep a, keep around a backup at that rate. They would probably trade him uh, for salary cap purposes and whatnot. But I guess there is a scenario where they could couch it and have both guys on this roster going forward. I just doubt it. I mean, do you I think do. they're Foles teammates next year? A, a backup. Foles no. could be a backup that uh, comes in late in the season when Minshew gets hurt and oh, I think lead him if, to the Super Bowl. If Foles plays well, I think they'll both be on the roster. Yeah, I do too. Hmm. I, I think Foles is going to have to play well enough and everyone's going to have to keep their jobs. Or Then 
then things are just up in the air. Foles works in this offense. Well, let me ask you one. Let's just say, what is the reaction? Because there's a there's a societal element to Minshew too, and a football fan element. And I think it's kind of bold of the Jaguars to bench him and do what they're doing with Foles. I I, I give them some credit for thinking for themselves on this one, number one. But let's say Foles goes out over the next two games and generates six or seven turnovers. I'm just saying it's a possible because he's, he's a fumbler too, sure. and he can throw his share of interceptions. What is the reaction and what do you do then? Because I think they tried to avoid stepping right into a big controversy by not starting Foles for the rest of the year, but you'd be right back in one. Um, follow me on this. If, if, if you are a listener and you think that they would entertain moving Foles in the offseason – if it came to that, listen to the quarterbacks and we've kind of touched on this, but now it's becoming, it's coming into focus even more. The quarterbacks that could be available to teams this off season, cam potentially Dalton. We know Mariota. We know Phil rivers, potentially Flacco, Eli, Teddy Bridgewater, maybe Nick Foles, maybe Tom Brady. Well, Philip Rivers. If Tom Brady is a maybe, then then Breeze is even more of a maybe. Both of those guys have. Such well, there's been no reporting connecting Breeze. Well, he's a free agent. He, I know. He, I'm saying there's there's, there's so much smoke. Fi- right. There's so much financial uh, reasons for both the Saints and the Patriots that would make it very difficult to move on from either of those guys. They have very similar type contracts that they'd have to. More eat to the point, there's a lot of money. big name. Right. I feel like this hasn't happened in a very long time. No, I would say there's a there are strong reasons why 90% of that list is available, too. All right, moving on to Sean Jackson, who was supposed to be ripping the tops off defenses for the Philadelphia Eagles, is instead head, heading to injured reserve. Uh, that abdomen injury that he suffered in week one uh, or week two and his he attempted to come back on Sunday, pulled himself out of the lineup because he wasn't feeling right. Well, now he needs core muscle surgery. So Djax will exit the picture for the Eagles, and it's kind of, Greg, a what-if scenario for Philadelphia who could certainly use a guy like Jackson. And we've seen it this year. A lot of people, myself included, thought Carson Wentz could be an MVP-type player this year. The offense has not been explosive, and maybe if Jackson was there, it would have changed some things. It would have helped. I really think so. And he's signed for the next two years at pretty reasonable salary. So, you know, he should be back with them next year, you would think. They have to work so hard to score. They move down the field slowly. Maybe Jeffrey's a little healthier after the break, but I think that's just who they're going to be. Two tight ends, Goddard and Ertz, a lot of running the ball, and their defense is going to need to play better than it did the first six or seven weeks. There's some signs that, that they might. This is doubly painful because I got the sense that they didn't make a trade at the deadline because they were counting on Deshaun Jackson to come back. Mm-hmm. And I've seen enough of Mac Hollins. We don't need to see him oh anymore. What's wrong with J.J. Ortega-Whiteside that he can't get on the field? He Ortega. was on the field for the first three or four <laughs> weeks. And like Hollins, could not, you know. He's got a second-round capita- Capitalize on his targets and was not getting the ball too often. I would have named Ortega Thom because you could then have Thom Ortega. Thom Ortega. Or Thom. It's nicely done. Pronounce it Tom and take that th- and get, you know, keep it in Ortega. So even though it says My Tom, people are going to say, oh, I should say Tom. No, 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 you save that for Ortega. <laughs> I mean, another guy that's probably had some struggles uh, you know, with friends and others. He's been correcting wise, people you know, for a long time. A lot going time. on there. Uh, it's been a bad season in Cleveland, Mark, as you know. Uh, and this week, the criticism is piling up at the quarterback position, at head coach, but uh, they didn't need this. Jermaine Whitehead, who's a starting safety, started all eight games uh, for the team after a really bad game against the Broncos in which he whiffed on a tackle um, on Noah Fant's long touchdown catch uh, at mile high. Some fans got after him on Twitter, and he could not resist the urge to punch back. And punch back he did. Well, it was Dustin Fox, right? Former player? And, and someone who works, oh, does I, a lot of I'm sure he was getting it from the all Browns. corners. But yes, a lot of Fox. fans, too. Yeah, yeah that he came a lot of people. after. Uh, but he, he, he hit back at Fox and others uh, with some racial epithets and also uh, some threats, some physical threats. He all, people are saying, where's your address? He listed the Browns facility. <laughs> Obviously, a wretched look uh, for Whitehead, who should know better. Uh, and the Browns promptly, um, you know, took him to task with an official statement on Sunday night and then placed him on waivers on Sunday. So this is not just like a bottom-of-the-roster guy. He was a starting safety on the team, and now his his tenure with the Browns is over, and I imagine this is going to hurt him finding a job. 
released him as they should. I mean, this isn't the dawn of Twitter or the dawn of social media. There are courses heaped on these players all offseason and into the season about what is going to cost you career-wise if you choose to take a major misstep on Twitter or etc. It is got to suck to be a player and have to deal with. If you have a tough performance, 99% of people have no idea how to assess what a safety is doing on any given play. And people just coming at you and you have to use the self-control to not fire back. But if you don't, if you choose not to, Teams are not going to put up with it, especially with what he wrote. I've said that to you so many times over the years, Mark. To me. I pulled you aside and I said, delete that tweet. I mean, I'll play with fire, but I'm not on an NFL roster. Stop threatening the lives of our listeners. It's no way to build (laughs) You know what? I mean, okay. You think Uh, these players have it bad? Ask ask Ricky or Colleen Wolf. Like women in sports, they've got it even worse on Twitter. And and, yeah, you can't fire back either half the time. And it's just like, or all the time. Yeah. Not fair. I would, if you wanted to throw out some threats at people that are being inappropriate toward you, Ricky, I would stand behind you. You would? Yeah. Oh, I'd do like nice. a dead spit thing. I'd walk out. You would. That's really sweet. Yes, absolutely. That's really sweet. Would, then, would you then quietly return to the... Yes. <laughs> okay, I was going to say, I don't feel like that's your end game. I'd go home, I'd talk to Emily about what happened, and then I'd just... I'd do the move. Larry David famously, um, he worked for uh, SNL briefly, Saturday Night Live, and he was not a good fit there because he's a weirdo. A beautiful weirdo, but a weirdo. And one day he was frustrated that the things weren't going right, so he just he quit. He announced that he's quitting, and he walked out. And then uh, the following week, he just came back to the office and tried to act like nothing happened. <laughs> Didn't work out. George Costanza did the same thing in a Seinfeld episode. I believe he worked with Julie Louis-Dreyfus on he Saturday did. Night Live. He did. Well, what do you guys make of, of the Browns, you know, Taken off, you know, taking them off the the roster, but they also hired Kareem Hunt. So, do you think it's just like a PR move, or how do you? I mean, I don't know. I well, wondered if if the perception was not out there that Freddie Kitchens has no control over these players, because that is perception with the penalties and Baker Mayfield shaving three times when he shows up, the players wearing bad cleats. It's all part of the same story that's been going on for two months. I was going to ask Mark, do you think if this was any other team but the Browns, would it still be the same outcome? I think a a bunch of teams would have gotten rid of a player that did what he did. But I would say, to Erica's point, the Browns, if you look at what they've done under John Dorsey, there is reason to suggest there's some hypocrisy going on there and that they've signed players that don't fall into the conduct zone at all for what you'd want to put out there for your friends. I I would venture to say he's played almost every snap this season for them. uh, That if he had not gotten run over by Noah Fant in in a, you know... it, to a player, I would say it would be an unfortunate way, I guess would be the nicest way to say it, and have a disastrous game that he might not have been cut. And there's a lot of PR. He said he was playing with a broken hand. Hmm. More like a broken brain. Come on, bro, use it. Moving on. The final uh, word on that story. Uh, <laughs> the Athletic put out a story uh, that you know got some buzz on Monday. Uh, Vincent Bonsignore. Uh, wrote that there's a possibility of the Chargers moving to London. It's something that's been broached among league personnel. And that same report also indicated the team would, quote, at least listen if the prospect was broached. Okay, and that was kind of the extent of the reporting uh, around this. And then it went into, it was a long piece that featured um, quotes from Dean Spanos, the Chargers owner, but not in direct connection uh, to that report, and also some high-ranking uh, NFL UK officials involved with it, but it all um, doesn't seem to have any legs, at least right now, because Dean Spanos was approached by um, Chargers beat reporters today, Tuesday, and he had this to say. We're not going to London we're not going anywhere. We plan to be in L.A. for a long f***ing time. That was bullshit, that story, uh, via the L.A. Times. And then the Chargers Twitter account, minutes later, um, piped in uh, with this famous scene from the Scorsese film, The Wolf of Wall Street. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm not f***ing leaving! Do you like this movie, Mark? Yeah. I loved it. I enjoyed it. 
Yeah. The show goes on. DiCaprio, one of the great underrated this is my actors. Host. He's great in it. They're going to need a fucking wrecking ball to take me out of here. <laughs> awesome scene. That's uh, my last workplace. Uh, <laughs> uh, Greg, what did this? how did this all play for you? I don't know what to make of it. Other than being clear on what he actually reported wasn't, you know, too aggressive. He just he said there were some league discussions. You know, it's it's hard to under, to know where in the league or how important that was, and that you know someone within the Chargers that they would listen. And yet the the article has a quote from Spanos right off the top that you know said they're committed to LA. I, if he had used the words, I think that he used. Monday, and they used, and that was the quote in the piece. Uh, is there even? Is there a piece? Is there a piece? <laughs> I want to. That's what. That's what the question. So, I, would I, ask. I don't know what to make. Bonsignore, the framing of the question to Spanos, because such a different response, uh, a profane response to reporters, an angry response to reporters, uh, but something far more measured that was used in this piece. Did the reporter uh, for the Athletic lay it out clearly that? according to his reporting, that it was something that the league uh, would be interested in doing and the Chargers would be listening to. Uh, was that specifically, did he utter that to Dean Spanos before getting his soundbite? Because that, to me, uh, makes a difference. They are the only team renting and not owning their home. And they're in a city that doesn't necessarily want or need two teams, so they're always going to be spoken about as a team that's going to move. I mean, they've gone through this. They just went through this. That's the only thing that's, I think, if you're a Chargers fan that's actually come with them and, and, and still is rooting for the L.A. Chargers when you were a San Diego Chargers fan. And there are some of those fans. I know, you know they, they take a lot of pot shots, and there aren't, there aren't a ton of them, but they're in Orange County and, and some of the San Diego fans. It's, he's got to come out aggressively against this because if you want to you know, get rid of the, the fan sport that you do have, stories like this are going to do it. I mean, the reporting that I would love to have in depth is go to the highest people in the league and find out where their heads are at at this point with the Chargers actually moving. You're talking about Henry Hodgson. Sure, Henry, Henry or maybe just a little bit lower than Henry. But yeah, just, you know, I mean, this is not a problem that's going to go away. It's going to magnify as the optics change and suddenly they're in a massive stadium when they can't fill a small one. And this is purely opinion. It has nothing to do with anyone involved with this. But the NFL, a team would work in London. I, I'm having been there twice, having seen their support, having just looking at the data of how the people have packed that stadium, how the sport is growing over there. I think it's absolutely something logistically that they could make work. And I know there'd be challenges and would players want to play there. And that's all been discussed. I believe that not only would it work, and they did touch on this in the article, that it is a potential gold, golden opportunity uh, for, for a, char- a team like the Chargers to kind of reestablish itself and become per- uh, perhaps a, a business superpower of the NFL if, if, if it worked. So I, w- I think it's going to happen eventually, but it, the, right. whether it's going to be the Chargers or whomever, I don't know. But it just seems like London is ready for a team. And it also has the ready-made stadium, which we were just at, that was built for the NFL. For the NFL, they have an maybe NFL the best field. stadium in the NFL. NFL locker room separate from the the soccer locker rooms that is locked and loaded right in the middle of London. There's no way to cleanly uproot a team and take it to another city. It's just it's the worst thing you can do as a sports franchise to the people that have made it possible for you to even leave. And the Jaguars are obviously always the team that people you know associate because because Khan has you know investment you know has the soccer team and has been part of the stadium there i i don't know it's easy to say that a team would make sense there but i really don't think it could happen unless they lay the groundwork in this cba which is coming up so it might come to a head i feel like in the next year or two if they're gonna move they have to get buy-in from the players it all sort of has to be organized you know when that cba is i would say if you can't get philip rivers to move his eight children the hour and 45 minutes from San Diego to Los Angeles, I don't think you're going to get him to move to the United Kingdom. And to be clear, I think the buy-in, I don't know about the the league and the owners and the players, that's unclear, the buy-in. But that market, they're ready to buy in. Yeah. Can we say the same about Los Angeles with two teams? I don't know if you can. But it seems like London would be able to uh, handle team and thrive with it. Well, it's probably the biggest tease they've had in terms of a news story coming out suggesting someone is potentially in place. And the reaction from people we know over there was big. Well, London, 
the thing with those fans, and I think the Jaguars have done a nice job, they can root for more than one team. Like, you can have a – like, the Jaguars are kind of a lot of people's in the U.K., from what I gathered, like, their second team. Like, you like them. Like, if you don't have the same sort of tribal, I grew up in New England, so I'm going to root for the Patriots to begin with, then I think you're willing to support different things. And I've noticed this year – I don't. I kind of like the trend of there's visiting fans in a lot more stadiums because of the secondary market is so different. There were a ton of Vikings fans at the Chiefs, so it's not just bad. It's not just stadiums without great fan bases. There were a ton of Vikings fans at the Chiefs. Eagles game. fans in Buffalo. There were a ton of Patriots fans at the Ravens game. There were yeah. a ton of uh, Cowboys fans at the Giants. You know what? I think that kind of. We were there for for Rams Cowboys. And I thought that was a great atmosphere. It's kind of fun when there, you know, that you have that soccer feel where there's two fan bases in the same. But that was, I would argue, that was almost like fifty percent Cowboys fans in terms of noise. But I I don't think that's what. But that's you think it's cool, and I think it's cool. But I don't think the Rams thought that was cool at a playoff game. (laughs) All right, let us uh, move on. That's what's happening in the news, and of course, uh, we will continue to follow that story wherever it leads, even if it leads nowhere. All right, let's get Doggedly. into it. Ricky, you got upset with me because you did a really nice job um, sending some potential store um, segment ideas. Yeah. Um, for today's show, you sent it yesterday. I was in the middle of my power rankings, and I didn't yeah. give it the thought that it deserved, so I apologize. It's okay, Dan. Uh, uh, for that. Um, and I know it's on your radar that we're doing a segment called What We've Loved About the 2019 Season So Far. Yeah, it's pretty funny. So I just want to put it on record that uh, I get it, but keep the ideas coming. You're, yeah, you're a, you have the floor. You're such though. a creative. Well, one. just for the listeners, I want you guys to know that I was like, okay, let's look at what's trending. You know, Dan, you like to stay on top of what's going on. Frozen two. What? What? You know, storylines do we need to that, let that it would go? Be big with our list, what's Frozen two? Frozen two. Okay. What about oh, Wes. <laughs> what about Lizzo is over party? It's a K-pop feud with Lizzo. You know, mm. what, Lazard. What players? the rising wide receiver of the Packers? Exactly. Yeah. What? What? You know players are we feuding with or are we not really saying like that, it. what we're with it's there's good. a lot of MVP talk what about the opposite of that what about players we thought were going to be in LVPs MVP? yeah I'll help you out with that you know um, and I had another Bumble idea that was very fun it might be something you know to do because you normally do a segment All right, let's the Tuesday a, let's, shows right now the, I want to make it very clear it doesn't matter what happens in the NFL over the next seven days our segment on next Tuesday show will be one of those ideas or a newer Ricky idea, a Ricky-centric seg idea next Tuesday only on the Around the NFL podcast. Okay, but the best part about this whole thing is I like put all this time and spending, you know, writing up all these things. And my email said, I know you're really busy with power rankings, so I thought I'd send you some news items to try to make your day easier. So thank you to that, too. You did say thank you, and I sent you some, some news, and I sent you segments. And then on the rundown today, segment, what we've loved about the 2019 season. I, this is this is grinding your That's gears. very funny, don't you think? I told uh, you I'm radar. sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, I love it. I just I I think you know it's new too. You've more. never done that before, and the uh, the, yeah, the NFL quite, season. Right, you've about, never sent the ideas before, right? This was the first. Yeah, came, right. No. Well, like in this way, you've never done it. Like <laughs> maybe this not before. the most welcome environment to send ideas. I would I'd say out there. no. That's absolutely false, Mark. It's a great environment. Please send ideas. Yeah. Uh, but it, if if this is going to be something that happens every week, it will be more kind of on my mind. It it was my in my mind, mind <laughs> uh, and then it, it exited my mind because I was busy. Yeah. But that won't I, happen again if it happens for multiple weeks. No, I think it's my. I just wanted to try to make your day easier. Okay, I get it. And I'm really happy that you're super busy with all other other shows. That okay. now that's you know. that's also I could see there's a little bit of a knife being sharp. <laughs> Shadowy league figure in the building. How's your fantasy show? It's doing really well. Thanks for the plug, Dan. It's really fun. <laughs> Appreciate it. You do good work on that. I saw you did a uh, remote from the. Um, Huddle, our commissary. Yeah, it was good. Good stuff. Thanks. What we've loved about the 2019 season so far. All right, so let's go around the horn uh, and share what we've loved. Uh, Greg, we're going to start mm. with you. Well, you know I have to start with Lamar. But I, the reason I, I love what the Ravens are doing and Lamar Jackson is just that it's counter to everything else in the league. That they are taking – an approach sort of from the 70s or 80s or heck the like the 20s and they're making it new with a with a player who has a skill set unlike anything we've ever seen and that's kind of the history of the NFL there are no 
new plays. There are no like new offenses. It's all been done before. It's the same with art. Like you don't start art from scratch. There's no such thing. You're building on what Speak people yourself. have done. You don't standing on the shoulders. You're, you're of building on what people have done before, and then you're you're changing it for the modern day. And that's what the Ravens have done. And they've it took some chutzpah to do it. Chutzpah. Uh, and it, it's taken exec- the fact is they're they're executing it too. The the way that the rest of the league is gonna have to try to catch up in a league that's all we hear is pass first, pass first, pass first. It's spread them out. It's a pass first league. They are the best running team of all time right now. They're on all time t- in the there. There are sixteen games. Holy Lamar moly. Jackson would set the record, and their pace for this year would set the record, and Lamar Jackson would set the record. Like it, he's played sixteen games, so it's a perfect. Oh, sample I love size. that about the twenty nineteen season. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! Is that why you didn't want to do this? We like too? football. I love football. Like I'm, it really does carry me through. Like when, like this job, we we all work hard at it, and if you don't like really enjoy what you're covering, then it's gonna get tough in those days. And seeing. Teams like them, and then especially the 49ers, who are just doing it in a totally different way than we've seen in a while, and it's working, and kind of busting up all the maxims that everyone says. I love that. I I give the Ravens this credit, too, because if you're Greg Roman, I'd say the star rose, and then it fell a little bit because the league went away from what he was doing with the Niners, and you hired a guy whose Q rating was not where it was in the past, and you let him do what he does. And it's, it's not the Niners' offense from the Kaepernick days entirely, but there are a lot of shared elements there and you nailed it. It's working. Like that's, it's working. Right. With the, the Chargers they, had supposedly provided a blueprint to stop them. Remember right. that? that was uh, no, it. that was, that feels like a million years ago. And we did a, a segment that should show up uh, somewhere on the internet in the, in the next few days, um, our midseason awards. And one of my, uh, my categories was, you know, bad teams stay bad award. Well, the Ravens are an example of how good teams stay good. They took Lamar Jackson. He was the fifth quarterback taken in the draft uh, last year. And they just had a different vision than everybody everybody else. And they knew how to – they didn't try to force him to be something that he wasn't. They're just a well-run team. And I'm glad you brought up Lamar as the first one, Greg, because if you didn't, I would have. I And uh, if you listen to this podcast, you know I hate the Patriots. I'm so sick of the Patriots. If I have to cover the Patriots of the Super Bowl again, it's just going to ruin the whole week for me. And – to have another young king rise up now because Patrick Mahomes, he rose last year and you put all your eggs in his basket and he couldn't get the job done. It wasn't his fault. His defense let him down. Uh, And you were counting on Patrick Mahomes to do it again this year. We counted on the Steelers for years. They never could do it. And now you have Lamar, and I'm not saying he's going to do the same thing in January against the Pats that he did on Sunday night, but now you have another guy that Bill Belichick has to figure out how to beat and he might not be able to because these young dogs that are rising up, one of them are going to get you eventually. Watson. You might have Sean Watson's another guy. It's starting to grow now, these young teams on the rise with superstar quarterbacks. Is that what finally does the Pats in? We'll see. All right. I guess I go twice because I, I did go on a little bit there. But I got excited. I'm very okay. excited about you this Lamar Jackson love football. Thing. You love football. It's okay. Um, this one, I'm you know, I'm going to save mine actually because it goes in a, it brings things down a little bit. So Wes, I'm going to spin to you. Oh, well, bear with me for a minute here. I want to talk about mamas. Mm. You know, my a lot of guys. You get your love of sports from your dad. I got mine from my mom. Who we had passionate, intense debates back and forth about things like Oral Hershiser versus Dwight Gooden, Michael Jordan versus Larry Bird or Magic Johnson, and I learned that she was really. Those debates were important life lessons about selflessness, generosity, and teamwork. And the point for me is nobody knows their son's strengths and foibles to the extent that a mom does. So when Minka Fitzpatrick's mom tells the Dolphins, you're using my son wrong. You're using him wrong. She knew. She did. He was used on 22% of plays as a deep safety in Miami. He's used on 88% Mm. as a deep safety in Pittsburgh. And he is an... He's going to be on my midseason All-Pro team. He is that good. They they were allowing a 141 passer rating on deep passes in Pittsburgh before he showed up. They are now allowing a 10.8 rating with a 0-3 to touchdown-to-interception ratio. And he had three takeaways in a six-day span recently. And another thing he did, when a, when a sports writer said, hey, you just had the longest return touchdown in Steelers history, he corrected him and said, no, James Harrison did. Pet peeve. Po- post-season, postseason stats count. Ooh. Stop saying only regular season se- 
stats count. They're the most important games. Thank you, Micah Fitzpatrick. Thank you, Mama Fitzpatrick. <laughs> and he knew that. I mean, good job by him in that in that spot to have the Harrison recall, and knowing the history of the game right off. Yeah, the bat. that's a- he loves football. He has no doubt. He's transformed the back end of that defense. And you see it, every metric, all the numbers, it's remarkable how much has changed since week three with Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Now, he's not completely responsible for that, but he's played a huge role in it. No, but their defense has enabled them to stay in the race while playing the worst quarterback in the NFL. Oh, you know, now he's the worst? There's no doubt about (laughs) it. Oh, my God. They're playing the wrong guy. All right. Um, Now I will go. And uh, because it's been... (laughs) sufficiently deflated um, with that Mason Rudolph thing. I I love uh, what Troy Aikman tweeted last night, okay? Our league has a lot to address this offseason as consumer confidence continues to wane. See what I did, Greg? Kind of twisted this a little bit. Well, I'm waiting. I love that tweet. Um, You're be- working on multiple levels. Because it's yeah, so I mean, true. Yeah, I want to see. You I- love referring to our league? Our league. Oh, he did the hour league. That's right. I thought you did were the gonna, hour league. Thought you were going to nuke we, that part. We of just it. started talking about that uh, over the weekend. That that's the new National Football League. Yes. Everyone instead of saying the NFL, it's like in the National Football League. The new thing is an hour league, which Booger did. Well, during Booger the game McFarlane has been doing in that our league. Uh, you got to make a football play on the football field. This is the National Football League. It's our league. I think if you want to dig into that a little bit, and this is not what my subject is, but <laughs> that's a way to cast out. The people like us. Absolutely. I call it my employer, but that's that's <laughs> very different. You're right. right. It is setting a boundary around anyone that wasn't there on the field. Right. And you probably shouldn't try to trump my comment if you weren't a former player. My analysis that I'm about to unfurl <laughs> comes from a place of experience on the football field. So if you want to counter what you said, what I say, just know that it is not your league. It is our league. And more specifically, my league. (laughs) Anyway, that's not the point. Our league has a lot to address this offseason as consumer confidence continues to wane. I kind of like Troy Eggman's Twitter account. He comes with some fire. He's got a really good profile pic. uh, Had a fun back and forth with uh, Evan Silva. I don't know if you saw that. Was Was that recently? Yeah, last week, two weeks ago. It was about how you judge quarterbacks and what stats to use. was, Was that the Patrick Mahomes thing? I mean, it was less of a conversation and more of six straight tweets at Evan Silva. It was great. <laughs> but uh, he responded and it was all respectful. Was, was this was the ma- yards per completion thing. Yes. That he was- okay. He also made news because somebody put Patrick Mahomes statistics next to Troy Aikman's and he dwarfed them all. And then Aikman fired back. Well, I got the I got well, the people do that with Tony Romo. Forever. I'm going to I'm going to follow him live pop on the him. podcast. Pop him with a this, follow. That's this stupid to put Mahomes stats up against Aikman. They played that's, a totally different era. That's what he pointed out. Yeah. Thank and he's you, got Troy. the trophies anyway. Um, it happened again in Monday Night Football. We had uh, a game just overloaded with penalties and stoppages and a bad P.I. situation uh, where it went to review. And I do think when the when the league uh, ga- gets together um, for the meetings that happen after the season, that they do have to find a way to increase better the pace. And that's become an issue that's uh, been a major fight in Major League Baseball as they try to shorten their games. These these NFL games are getting longer. And I think back to that play, uh, Greg, that sequence of the Chargers Titans near the goal line where everything was sucked out of it by incessant stop downs for whether it's a measurement or a, a buzz down from the booth to look at the play, uh, you know, more flags than ever. I know they've gotten the holding thing, which was inexplicable when they started pulling out the flag at a, a, a massive rate increase earlier this season with more holding calls. They just, they just got to get out of the way a little bit, the officials and the pass interference thing, which we've talked to death, but I will say this. I, my initial thought was it's not really working um, how it was supposed to work uh, because they they tur- I think they overturn uh, or they stick with the call almost 90% of the time. But at the end of the day, they're still getting some things right that were egregiously wrong. But in truth, it's affecting the game strategy-wise because it's taking away timeouts. And also it's stopping the game outright. It's just shutting the game down. And I think the NFL has to find, find a way. An NFL game in their league, Greg, I love the product but something just to clean it up a little bit because it feel like, feels like it's been a little sloppy this year. That's right up my alley. What part of this do you love? He loves the that Aikman. I love that Troy Aikman uh, he t- he called it out. Right. Yes. I like, I like, I like yeah. that. I would say this. Like, don't 
don't fall into the trap that unfairly baseball has because of the way that baseball is naturally paced. Don't slow the game down. They, they, it's already been a they league thing. To, yeah. They know it, but, but the it's focus distinctly shift- changed the fo- this year. It the focus feels has shifted. Riveron came to us and said two years ago, this is sports entertainment. We know it. We got to quicken the pace. We have to put a good entertainment prog- product on the field. And in this past offseason, that was completely abandoned. That was not a talking point whatsoever. Your battle is everyone out there watching has something better to do on their phone exactly. than watch a game that gets mired in a four-minute stoppage while people in black and white jerseys although, prance around figuring out, oh, we're just going to back up our own potentially mistaken call. Although on some level, I, I always do find it funny when there's 15 to 40 people all tweeting at the same time how the, the game is unwatchable. But they have to watch it. Like, why are you watching? You have a million other things. Well, you're that talking you about people. Most, that are paid most of them are media people. Yeah, right. They have to watch it, but they don't. But they, most of the people are, job, are, are, are fans of other teams or they're beat writers of other teams, and they can't. You can't like give it up. There, it's a beautiful game. They just get out of the way a little bit. Find a way to clean it up. All right, that's a, that was a great segment, guys. Did uh, you want me to offer anything during that? For heaven's <laughs> sakes, Dan just spoke for 25 minutes. I did that on purpose because I know you did before when I when I went after Wes, uh, Mark rolled his eyes for some reason. It is now oh, your turn, Mark. To do with you. Well, I like anything. Wait, what did what did the eye rolling have to do? It had no, it was something. There's things happening within the headspace that have nothing to do with anyone else. Trust me. Uh, let us in there. Uh, I let like things in. that help me learn about my own job here. We're still our job is to get better every year at what we do and. I have learned a huge lesson this year that we spend more time in the offseason than we do in the regular season and real when real games matter, much more time when there's no games happening where we cook up storylines, we cling to narratives, we get too lost in our own headspace and ideas about stuff that have not at any point been proven true but will be proven untrue within the space between week one and week two that I am vowing to never fall for the 1A off-season hype storyline, whether it be around a team, and it was the Browns this year. And I don't think that I fell for it as, as much as some did. You I, absolutely I was right. guarded against it, but only, I think, because I had a personal painful stake in it. I think had it been another team, I would had, to, had someone else gone and done everything that Cleveland had done, I think I would have fallen for it. And my guard is up to not listen to this junk. I know that we have to fill airwaves and space all these other months, but there's a way to do it without just glomming on to the groupthink scenario where huge chunks of the media had Cleveland in the AFC title game when it made no sense when you looked at all the changes. This is my favorite annual mid-season tradition. Mark vowing to never pay attention to off-season stories. <laughs> well, it, I will pay attention, but I'm not going to glom on to something that feels especially group-thinky and a little too frilly. The problem is, you're right, Like none of us have almost any predictive value. And I don't think that's a, pro- that's a bad thing. Like It's okay that it's, it's, it's all totally unpredictable. It's also, the NFL has proven over and over again that if you say something, just wait three weeks and you'll be right. Or wrong. Or wrong. You're right. Either way, if you say something, you you know, Matt LaFleur said it this week, it's been proven over and over again, you cannot get comfortable in the NFL. Once you get comfortable, you're going to lose. Because, I mean, the the flip is... Flip side is like all the other hot takes that aren't groupthink, they're wrong just as much as right. groupthink, which is something that is on my radar. This and what happened? We don't need it. Why do we need any group? of these hot takes? I mean, we do because otherwise you're going to be covering no high school baseball for six months. But no, you can talk about the sport what, um, without going wild. That, with predictions. Mark, is that that's what you loved about the 2019? I, lo- I what I said was I love it. Taught me <laughs> about doing my job differently. I do love that. It had personal effect on me. I can. I there's plenty of other things I love. I. Actually I actually had Greg Roman as one. I don't love the Ravens, but I do th- love a team that has the gutsiness to zig when everyone else is we zagging. We made a seg our own. You know, this yeah. is, that's what we do. I'll it's, say this. You know what else has been good? Not a bad seg. Here's Greg. a loose container. How about this we one? got some good stuff. We got Thursday night stuff. football slate, which has stuff. been rather messy in years past, and it's been an outpost for junky games and matchups you have to get out there early in the year or late in the year. The Thursday night football slate, I think, has been better than it's been since I've worked here. It's had five or six classic games and props where it's due versus trying to lift up Thursday Night Football when it doesn't hit the mark, which has been other years. I've got a quick love. Okay. Top of the MVP race features Russell Wilson, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey. 
That's nice. Three black quarterbacks and a white running back. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> Didn't think that's where you're going, but I love it. And I don't think five or ten years ago you would have had that. Look, the NFL is not perfect. We've seen with the hiring of head coaches and general managers that there's a lot of work to do. But the opportunity is there now for some people that it wasn't there for years ago. Good call, Wes. Well said. All right. Speaking of Thursday night football, oh, my goodness. We got a good one. The Chargers, who just shocked everybody by taking it to the Packers last week um, at the Big Dignity. Now they travel to the black hole to face the Raiders, who are really just a fun team, a fun team to watch this year. Um, And they are in the midst of um, a homestand, essentially, after that 74-day stretch away from uh, the Coliseum in Oakland. And they get a a Chargers team that's kind of hard to figure out which version shows up. But, Greg, I feel like I know what version of the Raiders will show up, Yeah, a competitive version. Uh, this will be an interesting game to watch. It should be a close game, I think. I agree. I think the recipe is there for a high-scoring, entertaining game because the Raiders play very consistently. They have one of the worst defenses in the league. They don't have a, much of a pass rush, and they try to make up for that with a very efficient offense that keeps the ball and moves the ball and has – Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr and Darren Waller playing great. Chargers made some adjustments with their offensive line play that last week that appeared to really make a big difference. They protected Rivers, I would say, very well in that game against the Packers. And it just makes me think Rivers, who's kind of owned the, the Raiders, especially in Oakland, uh, is going to keep it rolling. I mean, it only took one game, and I'm back in on the Chargers. You know why not? Well, they look. So You're not different. alone. I like both teams, though. I, I I want both of these teams to make a run. The the Raiders wouldn't be dead at four and five, but whoever wins this game will get a nice little boost. It, to me, what's interesting is that John Gruden has done such a good job, and Derek Carr too, of getting rid of the ball, and then that offensive line. Pass rushers have just not been as much of a factor against the Raiders as they have against other other teams. And we saw what Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram did to the Packers last week. I wonder if they'll be able to do that to Oakland. This has the feel of the, I mean, we are all Josh Jacobs. We all know about him. We all see how exciting and special he's been. But for the average fan that's not really monitoring the Raiders or hasn't watched them this year, this has the feel of that Thursday night game where suddenly Josh Jacobs because becomes the player everyone knows about. And we hear about him because this is rookie of the year, not just candidate, but probably leading candidate right now. Right. In which, and the Chargers have been very vulnerable to the run. They've been had a lot of injuries at defensive tackle. They still do. Which Chargers defense shows up? Because Bosa and Ingram were feasting last week on third down. They gave Rodgers no chance. Bosa, I think Joey Bosa would maybe be my pick for defensive player of the year right now if I had to make one. Uh, and Ingram's playing great. Desmond King's playing great. Like That defensive performance kind of came out of nowhere. Then you hear these little whispers from Rodgers like, that you know they got into LA early and maybe some players had a little too much fun. They were a little dead, dead, dead in that game. I don't know. I don't know what play. Who said factor. that? Rogers did. Rogers said he hinted because they he flew hinted. in a day early to adjust to the climate and the time change, and he kind of left it open ended that maybe some guys didn't make the right decisions. You night know what a lot wise. of teams do if you live in LA, the downtown LA Live, which is like a four block by four block section, they put them in one of those hotels. Not much happening at night, and they're not allowed to leave the four-block-by-four-block four quadrant for that reason, because where would you want to go out on a Saturday night if you're in a visiting visiting player? L.A. Faux Don't show. let them do it. Faux show. Um, and my one thought on this game, gentlemen, is that, and talked about this early in the season, how the Raiders in their last season in Oakland, they're going to be a tough team to beat there, and that's been the case, and this could be their last primetime game. And they are packing that stadium and acting like the team's going nowhere. That place is going to be a madhouse on Thursday night. Yeah. People are going to be – that's going to be a party Crowd was in great Oakland. for the Lions game too. And uh, I know the Chargers are used to playing in hostile environments because it happens when they're at the big dignity too. But, like, this is going to be something that I know R- Phil Rivers can handle. Uh, but I think it could give – the Chargers trouble, and that's why I do like the Raiders in this game. I think the Raiders are an interesting team to watch, and they get the Bengals at home and then a trip to face the wretched Jets. They are set up to be playing relevant football in December. Mm. All right. Any final thoughts, gentlemen? He summed it up well. Yeah, just end it right there. Let's what get, a let's, capper. Let's get the plugs in. I got, we got to do these plugs. Greg, check out that debrief, because Greg wrote – 
at length about what he loves about the 2019 season. I didn't read it purposely because I didn't want it to infect my own thought process for the seg. Uh, but now that's, it's that's the time. Pros, pro. I think it was your best intro of the year. Mm. I have a feeling you did not mention Troy Aikman in yours. I mean, I like Troy. I think that <laughs> you Thursday, just started following him. The three Thursday minutes. night, uh, we've been talking about the Thursday night telecast that has been great this year. I've enjoyed it. They do a nice job. Mark, on my radar, the weekly Sessler banger, you uh, wrote about the parallels between Baker and Minshew. Well, that Gardner Minshew plays the mythological age-old role of doppelganger that essentially operated as a life suck for Baker Mayfield to the point where they look a lot alike, we get that, but they operated as sort of the fun thing last year for Baker Mayfield in the NFL, and Minshew stole all that away to the point where Baker Mayfield is at the press podium at the end of Sunday's game looking pale, having changed the facial hair on his face two different times in the course of four hours, pre, during, and post-game. A lot going on there, and dig into it. Now that they put Foles back in, I think the Jaguars read my investigative piece and panicked. <laughs> yeah, Baker looked a different kind of dangerous on he that did. podium. Yeah, he's lost that dangerous zeal. It's the one like with the parents are worried. And uh, <laughs> check out the power <laughs> rankings, which are up, the old Zeuser. And Wes, what's coming up with your your upcoming uh, breakdown of top 10? Well, I have to speak with my editor, but I believe this is the (laughs) mid-season All-Pro week. Ooh, it is. Really? It's got to be. You know what I would read? And that's a great uh, that's a great topic. I would read just the emails back and forth between you and Ali Bampari. We usually speak in person. I would love, well, maybe some type of dictation. That's the segment for next Tuesday. (laughs) I would read... I think it might be a less contentious thing you believe it to be. Uh, all right. There may be some passive aggressiveness, <laughs> but I don't think it's contentious. All right, good. Anyway, so check that out. Can't when put it lands. me on a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> it lands where it lands. Back on it. And Erica, get ready. Your spotlight next week. Seven days. Can't wait. Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Till Thursday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm late. I'm late. Very important. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.